Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Come on. Great job, church. Um, I think that's all I have. So why don't we get into the Word? Why don't you grab your Bibles today? And, um, and is that Fatty sitting right there? It is. My man, Fatty, back from Liberty University. Come on, somebody. And if you think I'm mean for calling him Fatty, I didn't name him that. His parents did. I don't know. So, um, good to see you. So, hey, go in your Bibles to, uh, we're going to go to two different places. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, and uh, we're going to go to Acts, Acts 27. And I know you're already thinking to yourself, what does Acts 27 have to do with Christmas? Well, you're going to find out. Uh, If you want some notes, uh, paper ones, we got some for you. You can shoot your hand in the air, and we'll get you some paper ones. Or, uh, you know, a lot of people's favorite ways to do that via the app. We have all the notes on the app, and you can get the app by texting app to 858-943-2221. Uh, but we've been in this series entitled Presence, and, uh, and this was what I proposed since day one, that um, I think the greatest thing about Christmas is the, the presence. I really do. As a kid, you think the same thing, but here's the deal. We're not talking about the presence that you find under the tree. Uh, we're talking about the presence of God in our life and what he does in and through us and what he does for us. And so we've been going back to the, the, the basics of Christmas and saying, hey, look, man, Christmas is not about the lights. It's not about the tree. It's not about the gifts. All of that is fun. Uh, but it really is about the presence, and it's about the presence of God. It is a, a time for us to focus in once again and, and remember that, that God came himself in the flesh in Jesus and that his presence came and dwelt amongst us, that he really is what, uh, what the Bible says, Emmanuel, God with us. And so we've been talking about that over the last couple of weeks. Last week we talked about within our Christmas program and the testimony uh, that on that night hope was born. Uh, we'll revisit some of that uh, this morning. Uh, but this idea uh, that he, his presence is with us. And in Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 23, I'm going to read it to you, uh, but I want to I set the scene for a moment uh, because, uh, I don't know, I love Christmas, and Christmas is such a wonderful time of the year, right? Uh, we sing songs. It's the most wonderful time there'll be. You guys don't know the song. Okay. Um, <laughs> But it's like, you know, we sing about it. It's this wonderful experience. It's this wonderful time, you know. It's, it's you know, there's, there's family getting together and friends getting together and there's holiday parties and there's trees and there's lights and there's decorations and all this stuff. And all of that is well and good, but if we go back to the very first Christmas, which is the day Christ was born, and I know people be like, well, it really wasn't on that day. It doesn't matter, okay? This is our intentional focus, right? Uh, of December 25th, celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, God with us, Emmanuel. That if you go back to that very first Christmas, it wasn't a lot of lights, and it wasn't a lot of trees, and it wasn't a lot of gifts. Uh, I mean, think about it, that, that he was born in a feeding trough, in a cave, Right? Um, outside, um, what was going on at the time? There was political unrest. There was this, uh, this census being taken, and people were traveling in a time they didn't even want to be traveling. And I mean, there's, here's Mary pregnant on a camel. And I mean, there's just so much going on. If you're really to peer into that, that time, it wasn't this, this, this great time of rest and peace and, and all of that. Um, and, and then you take the you know, the, the individual figures involved in this, Mary, who's probably 15 or 16 years old, and she's about ready to get married, and she's not married yet, and yet the angel of the Lord appears to her and says, hey, you're gonna be pregnant with child. I mean, that's crazy, right? 
I can't imagine that she was super restful in the first, you know, meeting and in the weeks to follow. And then you got Joseph, who finds out that his wife is pregnant. And she, he, he's got to trust that, well, I know you're telling me this story about an angel, right? And so there's just like this lots of, of unrest. But yet in the midst of that, he's going to come and be Emmanuel, God with us. He's going to bring peace. Really, you could describe... Um, you know, if we could use this metaphor, you could describe what was taking place in that moment as a storm, right? As a storm. You ever used that metaphor before? That, man, I'm going through a financial storm, right? Or I'm going through a relational storm. I'm going through a storm in my marriage, right? Uh, whatever it might be. Um, you, you could describe this as a storm. Matthew chapter one, verse 23. So the scene is set. Joseph doesn't really know what's going on, but an angel appears to him as well and says this, says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Such a powerful thought. God with us. Here's what I want you to know today, that God is not just with us in the moments that we feel his presence. God is not just with us in the, in, the, in the mountaintop experience. God is not just with us in those moments where everything is going good. Matter of fact, a lot of times I think it's easy to, to recognize God in those moments and be like, oh man, God is so good, right? Um, but just this morning, even when I saw Miguel, uh, I, we, we always greet each other kind of the same way on a Sunday morning, and I'll say hi, and he'll say, God is good, and, and, and then, you know, old school, someone will reply, all the time, and then the next reply will be, all the time, God is good, right? But, but you need to know something that is absolutely true because his presence is with us all the time. He's not just with us in the good moments, he's with us in, in, in the seasons of our life that are valley seasons, another metaphor, right? Those seasons where, man, it feels like you're just low and, and, and you don't have that visual like of what God's doing, and you ever been there before? That, that valley season, right? But God is with us, his presence is with us. That, that his presence would be with us, not just in the, the good seasons, but it's also, maybe this metaphor you've used, in the wilderness seasons. I've, I've heard people you know, describe to me before and they're trying to describe where they're at spiritually. I don't know, I just feel like I'm in a wilderness. What are they saying? Like, like what do you mean by that? It's just a dry season. I just feel like, man, I don't feel him near me or close to me. Um, he's not just with us in the good seasons, but he's also with us in the, in the storms uh, of our life, that he's with us all, all the time. Are you with me today? Uh, storm, what do we mean by storm? We're gonna talk about it today. Uh, what do we mean by storm? Um, you know, storms are those, those, those moments that's the outside stuff, right? Like the stuff that maybe you have no control over. Uh, this would kind of describe Joseph in this setting. He had no control over it. There's just some outside circumstance, some outside things happening. And, and so that, that's what we mean by the storms of life. And so we're going to talk about his presence in, in, in the storms. Um, you know, uh, back in the day, I heard an old, uh, old preacher say this. He said, you know, here's the thing about storms. Uh, you're either going through a storm, you just came out of a storm, or there's a storm coming. I know that doesn't sound real hopeful, real, real, real pleasant, like, oh, that's great. Great message during Christmas, Pastor. Because I don't feel like I'm in a storm right now, and you just told me there's one coming, right? Um, or I'm just getting out of it, and I'm like, I'm almost out of this, and you're telling me there's another one around the corner, right? 
Um, I think most of us in there have lived enough life to realize that, that that's actually kind of true, right? Um, that there's storms. But what we need to remember is that even in those storms, that his presence is absolutely with us. Acts chapter 27, I wanna take you to this, this story. Um, it's a narrative. This is a story, something that really took place. And as I read this narrative, what my hope is, is that I'll be able to pull some spiritual principles out of it to share with you today about his presence with us in the storms. Acts chapter 27, verse 20. I'm gonna read a lengthy portion of scripture. It says, the terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Now, if you grew up in this area, um, the description of that storm might be something you have never actually seen before, right? Like we get one day of rain and we're like losing our minds in San Diego, right? Like I'm not going to school, I'm not going to work, I'm not driving, I'm, you know, like we freak out. And then yet the next day the sun is out and it's beautiful and you're at the beach again, right? Like, you know, we don't know. But maybe you grew up in an area where, man, the description of this is like, oh, I've seen that storm before. But as I read this, like I said, I want to begin to pull some spiritual principles out. And here it's describing a natural storm. And maybe you've never experienced a natural storm like that. But how many of you in here can say you've experienced some storms in your life that felt like, man, you had no vision, you had no light, you had no hope? Right? It says this, and this blotted out the sun and the stars, listen to this part, until at last all hope was gone. All hope was gone. That feeling that, that, that feeling that was there, that, man, we're, we're gonna make it. Man, we're eventually gonna get out of this. Man, we're eventually gonna turn the corner. That was lost. They have no vision. All hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. No avocado toast for them. <laughs> Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place. I love Paul. Because if you go back in the story, here's why they're on the ship. Here's why Paul is on the ship. Paul is on the ship because he has to go to Caesar to plead his case before Caesar so that he doesn't get thrown in prison. And they're about ready to take off, and Paul is telling him, hey, guys, we should wait uh, and not go on this journey yet, and they don't listen to him. So here's Paul in the middle of the storm saying, you guys should have listened to me. How many of you guys have a friend like that? I told you so, right? No one likes to have that friend, but everyone likes to be that person that can look at somebody and say, I told you so, right? Paul is just like, you guys should have listened to me. I told you so. In the first place, and not left for Crete. You should have avoided all, you could have avoided all this damage and loss, but take courage. No one will lose uh, your lives, even though the ship will go down. For the last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing uh, with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It would be just as he said, but, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. About midnight on the 14th night of the storm. That's a long storm, right? <clears throat> on the 14th night of the storm, we were being driven across the sea. The sailors sensed land was near, and they dropped the weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found it was 90 feet deep. 
At that rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they drew out four anchors uh, from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said uh, to the commanding officer of the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes of the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks. He said, please eat something now for, for your own good, for not a hair on your heads will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God, before them all broke it into pieces and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat of the avocado toast. All 276 of those who were on board after eating the crew, uh, eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo uh, of wheat overboard. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get there um, uh, to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and, let them, uh, let the, um, and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the uh, sails, and headed toward the shore. But they hit uh, some rocks and ran the ship uh, aground too soon. The bow of the ship stuck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. This is a vicious storm. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape, but the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out uh, their plan. Then he ordered all who had uh, to swim uh, to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held on to planks and debris from the broken ship Listen to it. So everyone escaped safely to shore in this terrible storm. I'm going to talk to you for the next few moments about presence, his presence in the storm. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, I pray in the next few moments that we have together that, Lord, you would uh, just take this passage that seems like it has nothing to do with Christmas and you would cause it to come alive and have great significance for us this Christmas. That God, whether we are currently walking through what might look like a storm to us, a relational storm, a financial storm, God, a storm at work, that God, we would know that your presence is, is, is just as close to us right now that it is when we're not in those storm seasons. Pray, Lord, you'd help me, God, just um, create an environment for people to discover your son, Jesus, know your incredible love, and realize the amazing plan that you have for him. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Um, again, here in San Diego, we don't know a whole lot about storms probably. Uh, I know we had that, that one day of rain not too long ago. Um, but I do remember a time uh, when it seemed like it was not going to stop raining. And this was just a couple of years ago, and it kind of turned into a joke. Matter of fact, I was talking to a builder, and uh, the builder told me, like, hey, if you ever want it to rain, just start building something. And, uh, and, you know, I found that to be true. A couple years ago, uh, we had the opportunity to build a home. And it was like, it was like the, it's like, it seemed like it was going to be great. And then it started raining. And then it didn't stop raining. And so I actually have a picture of it because this was our storm here. I don't know if you can tell what this is. Okay, so, no, we were not building a moat around our house. Okay? My, my brother saw this picture and he was like, dude, why are you building a moat around your house? I said, I'm not. That's how much rain happened, Right? This was us in the middle of building our house. I don't know if you can tell what that is, but that, 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 that is like massive amounts of water, right? And, and literally, it was so bad that we could do nothing for days. 
because it rained so much. This was like the epic storm, at least in our life. Um, and so I had some friends come over and we did the only thing we knew how to do, which was dig a little trench and let all that water run into my neighbor's yard. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Eduardo. So um, that was our storm. Um, if you don't know a lot about storms, here's, here's one thing you need to learn. There's nothing you can do about them. We could do nothing about that. The only thing you can do with a storm is ride it out. That's it. Like, unless Jesus is in your boat and it's the New Testament and he comes up and says, peace be still, right? But the reality is that, that, that when you're going through a storm in life, when you're going through some situations that you have no control over. You ever been there before? You ever been maybe like Paul, and now we're not talking natural, uh, but you ever been there like Paul, like you're going through some stuff and it doesn't seem like you have clarity. It doesn't seem like you have vision. It doesn't seem like there's light at the end of the tunnel. It doesn't seem like you can see that. And, and, and you're just there and you're kind of starting to lose hope. You're kind of starting to think that, man, I don't know if this is gonna work out. I don't know if this is gonna come together. I don't, I don't know if the marriage is gonna, 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 gonna you know, come together. I don't know if my son or my daughter's ever gonna come to know Jesus. I don't know if this issue at work is ever going to work, to work out. What do you do in those moments when you have no control over it? You, you just have to learn to ride it out. But here's the great news, we don't ride it out alone. That, that, that to me is one of the hopes of Christmas. That, that to me is why, man, we're talking about presence. That to me is why presence is the best part about Christmas. It's a reminder that he really is Emmanuel, God with us. Because our hope doesn't come when a circumstance works out. Our hope doesn't come when we can look at everything and say, okay, I think this is gonna work out. There's some light at the end of the tunnel. Our hope comes from Christ and Christ alone. And Christmas is a great reminder that he came to dwell amongst us and because of what he did further on in his, in his work, that he would be Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christmas is a great reminder of that. His presence is with us in the midst of the storm. So here's what I want to do for you today because, again, you're either going through a storm, you just came out of a storm, or the reality is you're going to hit a storm in 2022. And if the only thing we can do is ride it out, no matter what the storm is that you name, no matter what you call that storm in your life, if the only thing we can do is ride it out, then maybe we can learn some things here that will help us understand how to ride it out. Here's a couple of things. First one is this, taking this narrative, pulling some principles from it. The storms in life will try to cause you, number one, to lose hope. Try to cause you to lose that feeling of expectation that it's going to work out, right? And I'm, I'm sure every single one of us sitting here right now can probably go back maybe just a couple of days, maybe you gotta go a month, maybe two months, but you can go back to a moment and say, yeah, I, I, was, I was there. I was starting to lose that feeling like this is going to work out. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm, I coach basketball. I know I use basketball as an analogy uh, quite often. Um, but we've been on this incredible run uh, uh, for our girls' basketball team that I help coach. Uh, we lost our very first game of the season, and then we won 11 straight games. Now, if you've ever participated in something like that, it is a rush, man. It is like this feeling of, wow, like, man, we are unstoppable until you get stopped, right? And I had this feeling, man, going into this last game, and I even talked to coach the day before the head coach, and I was just like, you know, my greatest concern is that we're going to lose to this team, which is a team we should absolutely beat. 
um, whether for whatever reason, like I just kind of feel, I had this feeling. So sure enough, on Friday night we go out and uh, we score a total of seven points in the first half. If you know anything about basketball, that's horrible, <laughs> right? We don't score any points in the second quarter. Second half rolls around, still not a great half. And there was about four minutes left in the game and I felt like they felt. I had lost all hope. I was like, we ain't coming back from this one, right? But you ever been there in life before? Where man, you just, ah, man, don't think we're gonna make it. This is what the storm wants to do. The storm wants to cause you to lose hope. That only happens, listen to me now, that only happens when we put our hope in the wrong thing. Here's why you lose hope. You lose hope because your hope is grounded in, hopefully I get that. Your hope is grounded in, hopefully I can make it there. Your hope is grounded in if this circumstance works out. And then when you don't get that or you don't get there and that circumstance doesn't work out, all of a sudden you begin to lose hope. Here's what separates us from the rest of the world. Our hope is not in things. Our hope is not in a destination. Our hope is not in humanity. Our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. And so when our hope is there, it doesn't matter what we face, it doesn't matter what problem or circumstance we're going through, man, our hope is grounded and we can still move forward with an expectation and an understanding that, hey, this is gonna work out. You need to hear that today. Because I, I wanna let you know right now, man, the last 24 months, I'll just speak from my perspective as, as, as a pastor and as a leader, the one that, that's helping uh, steer this ship, this church, that man, there, there have been multiple times in the last 24 months where I, 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 began to, I began to sink and to creep into that mode where they were at. Anybody else? I guess I'm the only honest one in here. Where I was just on the verge of like, you know what, I'm done. I was on the verge of like, you know what, forget this. I was on the verge. I was on the verge, like, like literally I was there multiple times. But then all of a sudden, man, God brought me back to center. I said, Ben, is your hope in the people that are coming to church? Is your hope in a friendship, is your hope, or is your hope in me? And I had to get back to that place, no, like God, you called me to this. You didn't bring us this far to let us fail. You didn't get us into a building to take it away two years later. You didn't, you didn't, you know, you, that, no, the, the God, you're good. See, the problem is, is we put our hope in the wrong things. Hope has got to be, listen, listen to this. Romans 5, 3 through 5. But we also rejoice in our afflictions. I hate this verse. Describe your affliction. I don't know. Like, what is it, right? But we, we, it, could, it could read this way. But we also rejoice in our, our pain. We also rejoice in loss. We also rejoice in whatever the affliction is. We rejoice in it. Because we know that affliction produces endurance. Why is it that way? Endurance produces proven character. If anybody 
has noticed I've, I've grown in my character a lot in the last 24 months. <laughs> Anybody else in here growing in theirs? Endurance produces proven character, and proven character, listen to it, produces hope. Let me just take all of the middle parts out there for a minute and read it this way. But we rejoice in our affliction because it produces hope. Why? Because it proves out how good God is. Because even in my affliction, he's still seated on the throne. Even in my loss, he's still good. He's still God. He's still got a plan. He's still got a future. He's still got this thing covered. It doesn't matter if I look around me and see, man, where did, where did my friends go? Man, why did this have to happen to my family member? Man, what's going on over here? Oh, because my hope is in him. Here's why. Listen to it now. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Who is that? That's him with us. That's Emmanuel, God with us, even in the storm. Even in the affliction, even in the storm. Man, I got it. He's with me. Are you getting something out of this this morning? We don't need to lose hope. Man, we talked about it last week, Hebrews 6, 19. We have this hope as the anchor for our lives. What a great metaphor. What a great imagery. Man, because when the storms of life come, and they do come, and they will come, and for some of you, they're right now. But guess what? We have this, this hope that's an anchor for our lives. Safe and secure, it, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Listen to it now. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner. Let me tell you what it's saying. Jesus is our anchor. We just gotta remember, if we're gonna, if we're gonna ride this storm out, remember this, number one, the storm is there to try to get you to lose hope. So don't lose hope. Get your hope back in Christ, not back in the thing that you think you're looking for. Number two, the storm. The storm wants you to lose vision, lose vision. Um, I love what happens in verse 24. As Paul's talking, he's like, hey, I was visited by an angel, and the angel told me that I'm going to stand before Caesar. The whole reason Paul was on that ship was to stand before Caesar. And so the angel comes and reminds Paul of the vision. The whole reason you're on this boat, it's going to happen. You know what the storm wants to do? The storm wants to rob us of the vision that God has given us. That's what the storm wants to do. Man, it's safe to say that man, everyone, the whole world has been in this, 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 this pandemic storm over the last 24 months. And I think it's robbed some people of, of their vision. It's robbed some people of the vision they had for their schooling, for, uh, for, for maybe their athletics, or maybe their job, or a starting a business, or a career path, or, or for us as a ministry. Man, it, 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 there was moments where it felt like the vision was robbed. You know our story, man, we move into our building and we're talking big vision. We're talking, man, we're gonna, we're gonna help reach people for Jesus Christ. We're not just gonna have two services because we had two at the time. We're gonna have three and four and all the ministry team was like, hold on. <clears throat> and everybody else was like, yeah. 
And man, we were casting this vision how we're going to do outreach and ministry. And man, we're going to reach more people than we've ever reached and touch more people than we've ever touched and, and all of this. And of course, in, in a lot of our minds, we have what that looks like. That looks like more people in a building and more services. But I want you to know, I just shared with you the numbers. We have touched more people through our giving tree this year than any other year we've had with lower numbers than we've ever had before in the history of our church, except for when we first started the church, because it was like five of us. But see, you know what happens in those moments? Here's what happens in those moments. What happens is in that storm and all of a sudden, hey, we're gonna shut down, hey, we're gonna open up, hey, people are leaving, hey, people are coming, people are leaving, it gets us off of the vision. But the vision was never about full buildings. The vision's always been about that none should perish and all should come to a place of repentance. And that can happen via the internet, that can happen at your job place, that can happen at a church service, that can happen as you're having avocado toast after this service. It can happen in the supermarket. But here, here's what happens sometimes, and, and I believe this with all my heart, it happens in the church. Is man, the storm comes yeah, I'll tell, you what the, I'll tell you what the storm over the last 24 months did, did for me. Um, not initially. Initially it was like, whoa, what's going on? I was, I was the guy getting out the life raft saying, I'm out. They can figure out the ship. <laughs> but after, after I kind of like settled, you know what it did for me? It got, it, got my, it got my perspective back again and right again. That, man, we're, we're here to bless a community and a people and reach people for Jesus and, and train people in the word. And whoever wants to come and be a part of that, come, right? But you know, the, the enemy wants to try to get our vision onto something else that's not even what God wanted. The storms, storms will do that, try to get your, your vision on, on something else. Try to get your focus on something else. Why is that? Proverbs 29, 18 says this, that without a vision, people perish. They wander aimlessly. And uh, here, here's what I've noticed when that happens is people start, when, when, you're, when you're aimless and you have no vision, you start grasping at anything. Like anything. Anybody ever have a lifeguard before? I used to be a lifeguard. For a pool, I didn't pass the test for the lake, sorry. This is in the Northwest. I tried to take the lake one and I failed it. So they said, you can be in a small contained area and save people. <laughs> but we're not putting you out there in the lake because you're not a good enough swimmer. I'm like, great. Don't tell anybody that, right? Like, hey, the lifeguard on duty, he didn't pass the lake test. I'm like, go to this one. Um, but one of the first, first, first things they teach you is if someone is flailing and drowning, um, you need to throw them a life ring or have a hook or whatever. Um, but whatever you do, don't just swim up to them because they will jump on you and try to use you as a life preserver. And then you will both drown. They actually teach you to wait until they go unconscious and then swim over to them and then pull them in. Um, you know, when the storms of life come, if we don't have Christ as our hope, people start grasping at anything and everything. And that's why people in that scenario pull other people down with them because they're grasping, right? We need to make sure that our vision is right so that we're not just grasping at anything. Here's the thing, we can even make it look spiritual. We'll jump from church to church, small group to small group, 
friendship to friendship, relationship to relationship. Well, what's going on there? I don't know, man. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bail. I'm going to do No. Because our vision, our focus isn't this. Our focus is him. Are you with me? How are you going to ride out the storm? Understand, it's, it's there to, to cause you to lose hope. Number two, it's there to cause you to lose vision. Worship team, you can come on up. Pastor, it's not even 11. I know the last point's really good. It's going to be about 25 minutes long. No, I just want to make sure you have enough time to hang out with some avocado toast. Merry Christmas. You're welcome. Lastly, number three, um, storms in our life, number three, uh, are there to cause us to lose courage. Look what Paul says. Paul says, hey, take courage. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. When you're going through that storm, man, when that storm begins to weigh you down and, man, it feels like all hope is lost and, man, you're no longer focused on the right person. I'm telling you, like, like you need some people in your corner. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why my, my perspective got to where it was and why I, at least in this church as a pastor made it through the last 24 months is because I have great people in my corner. I have a great team. I have great pastors in my life. That when I went to them, I was just like, man, I don't, I'm about to lose hope. I don't know, you know what they said? They said, hey, take courage. Be encouraged. Take courage. Get your focus right. Get your eyes back on him. Take courage. Be encouraged. You know, when you, when you face that moment of discouragement, when you've been riding this thing out, you know what you need? You need some people in your corner. I, I had one person in my corner that I thought was in my corner. We were, about, we were about six or seven months into the pandemic. And man, it, it, it looked bad. And we were having a conversation and we always have open conversations. I said, Ben, you ever felt like quitting and not doing ministry anymore? I was like, only twice in the last five minutes. And this, is, this was their reply. You know, if you ever wanted to quit, I'd support you in that. And man, I just felt this weight come upon me. That's a lie of the enemy. If, if those are the voices in your life when you're walking through some difficult time, get some new voices. Get some new voices. That's not a voice of hope. That's not a voice of courage. That's a, that's a voice of doubt and despair and destruction and a lie of the enemy. Get some voices like, like this one that, hey, Hey, take courage. But I love what he says. Hey, take courage. Hey, the ship is going to be totally destroyed. But you're going to make it. Listen, we don't have to lie to people. I love it. Paul was just like, hey, everybody, hold on, hold on. I was visited by an angel. Listen, take courage. You're going to, 
Listen, everything you see destroyed, but you're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. And I remember hanging up the phone with that person. I was like, I am not having that person in my corner any longer. And my next call was to my pastor, Tony Ashmore. And next one was to Steve Fitzpatrick. And I'm just like, hey, talk to me. Talk to me, just say anything. Talk to me about the weather, I don't care, just talk to me, right? And man, they started just speaking, hey, we're gonna be all right. We're gonna make it through this. I know some things you don't. I'm like, well, can you tell me the things that I don't know? And take courage, take courage. Listen, when your marriage is going through it, man, get some people that are faith-filled, that know the word of God, that will speak life into your marriage and say, man, you're gonna be okay. How do I know that? Well, because you stood at the altar and said, I do. And so I'm gonna make sure you do. Right? When you're going through it in your business, when a storm comes and you're like, man, this, we have some people that do home investments. And I mean, I'm telling you the last 24 months, like what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen? Some storms, you need some people that are like, hey man, it's gonna be okay, God called you into this. Remember, because this isn't your provider, he's your provider, right? Did you sense a common theme here? Get your focus back on him. Get your eyes back on him. Man, man, this is a great time to do that at Christmas, to remember it's all about the presence. Tell that to your kids today. Hey, I want you to know you're right, children. It's all about the presence. It's all about the presence, the presence of God. And he's with you in the storm seasons of your life. Sometimes you just gotta hunker down, ride it out, and not lose hope, not lose vision, and not lose, lose courage. Because the courage, I love it. Everything, everything else was lost because the courage wasn't in what was holding them. The courage was in who was holding them. Are you with me? So know this as we conclude this series and I hear on our last service of 2021 together, um, never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, thank you for your word that reminds us. Thank you for this season that reminds us that you truly are Emmanuel, God with us, that you're with us right now in the middle of the storms, the storms of life. God, we can name it, whatever it might be, the storm that we're walking through. God, I pray that today that people would walk out of here encouraged. And Lord, I pray. Lord God, I don't even know if I can pray people out of not lose all about you need prayer. Come on. Peace.